This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to another episode. Now, before we get going too far, did you know that your mind is broken? Think about that for a second. As we do so, let me remind you of our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rwmin. You can message us, share us, like for the quickest updates that are put out. There's memes, there's verses, there's quotes, many different things you'll find there. Also, don't forget about the Rejoicing in the Word blog. You find that at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. And then also our podcast direct link, svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. And you'll find us available on all the major podcast platforms. And we hope that you'll share us with your friends, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your family members. There's a lot of different people we can share with. So back to our topic, though. What is wrong with my mind? Well, we're continuing, as you've given in your lead there, with a study on the mind. And, of course, we should remind our listeners, if you haven't yet, maybe pause this particular broadcast and circle back uh, to the previous ones where we dealt with what is your mind, and even the introductory one to get a real good concept of what we're talking about when we talk about your mind. Uh, so often, if you answer that question, what's wrong with my mind, you would think, you know, I can't remember stuff as well as I used to, or that I'm having a senior moment, or that the the sun is too hot on my head and I'm forgetting stuff. And we're not really talking about a mental capacity. We're talking, of course, about the inner man, the, the root by which decisions and ultimately life is lived. That's what we're talking about, a mind. And uh, we mentioned just in last week's podcast with what the mind is, and we find that there is a great problem with the mind of each individual. And, of course, that simply is this. Our mind is broken. You're telling me my mind's broken. I'm telling you your mind's broken. Of course, the good news is while everyone's mind is broken, no one's mind has to truly stay that way. Consider what the Lord said. A couple of passages, Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, and also Isaiah 55. And we'll take just a moment and read these. And I want to show you a little bit of a comparison between the mind of God, if you will, and of course, the consideration, the inward mind of man. Let me read Jeremiah 17 verse 9 for us. And remember from previous episodes, we looked and compared how the heart and the mind in the word of God are very similar. And so I'll read that here for us. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's a pretty interesting passage there. I think um, I was looking at my little baby girl the other day, and she's pretty brand new. And I was looking at her. I was like, wow, you know what? Her heart's, her heart's yep. deceitful and desperately wicked. Yeah, when she gets older, and uh, as, of course, our children are, and they begin to do something, and you get very disappointed, and go to the mirror and say, I gave that to her. <laughs> you know, the the whole uh, consideration and, in some regards, that that natural man, that Adamic sin nature. Yes, it's transmitted from the parents all the way back in the scriptures uh, to Adam and Eve. And what the Lord says about our heart there in Jeremiah 17 is not flattering at all when he says that it's deceitful and desperately wicked. But Isaiah, uh, through inspiration, has a little bit more detail to add on to it, particularly Isaiah 
uh, chapter 55 and beginning in verse 7 and I think through verse 8 perhaps. Yeah, let me read that for us. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's almost like you need a selah on the end of that. Just to think about it. Just just think about that for a moment. But the revelation that is given, that God's thoughts are not the thoughts of man, God's ways are not in the wonders, or rather I should say the workings of man. And of course, he concludes in verse 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And if you need a physical, tangible... Something to think about. Yes, identification, it is that as the heavens are higher than the earth. We consider that there is a great divergence between how God considers and how you and I consider. Yeah, that's pretty humbling if we take the scripture for what it says. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the only way it is to take it. Uh, You know, when you think about God's thoughts in that regard, and you think about man's, there's only one true consideration to be given, and that is, yes, that our minds are not like his. That is, that our minds are broken. And I I think this this podcast, want to focus really in maybe four comparisons between God and his consideration and thoughts and man and his consideration of thoughts. And as we move through the podcast, you get to the conclusion that, of course, yes, everyone uh, born under Adam's race has a mind. And really, we might even say, as you, you iterated a moment ago, is born with a mind that is broken. Yeah. When you consider God's thoughts, it's important to realize that God's thoughts in comparison to our thoughts, that God with his thought does not make the same choices. Yeah. Remember what Jeremiah said, deceitful and desperately wicked. Those are not words that you could really describe the characteristics and attributes of God with. No, we'd look more at faithful. We'd look at forgiving. We'd look at just, you know, holy. And James said it this way in James 1. He said that God tempteth no man with evil, neither is he tempted with by any man. Yeah. Or Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, God that cannot lie, Yeah. that there's no variableness nor shadow of turning in him. So he is immutable. He's not given to change. And we consider that our choices we make in life cannot be defined in those same fashions. Yeah. Uh, God's thoughts and doings are not the same thoughts and doings that we would make. Yeah. You want me to read there Romans 2? Yeah, go ahead. We have a good passage here about this. And Romans 2, 3 through 5, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You know, it's it's an interesting consideration talking about the knowledge God has and what he does with it. In Romans chapter 1 and 2, you, you've got the exposition there on God's wrath being upon all humanity. In fact, he's going to come down into chapter 3 and talk about uh, being that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But well, chap- that's, that's the reason why God's wrath is towards mankind is because 
Of all the sin. Yes, yeah, yeah. They've broken, transgressed the law of God. Uh, in Romans chapter one, you've you've really got this this uh, you might even would look at it as a barbaric uh, humanity. Uh, they have made to themselves idols likened to four footed beast. And in chapter two, thou art inexcusable. This is your moralist. But both of them together, whether Jew or Gentile, um, bond or free, they're under the wrath of God. And what's quite interesting to think is how God reacts or responds differently than you and I would. Yeah. Uh, patience and long-sufferingness are not characteristics really of humanity, but they are of God. And as Paul's right in Romans chapter 2, identifying the moralist who does not see the judgment of God really falling upon him, much like the barbarian in chapter 1 that's ultimately given up to reprobate mind, he talks about despises thou the riches of God's goodness. What is the riches of God's goodness? This is that common grace. God has been good to you. He has not made the same choice that you would have made. I mean, this is so true even when you get into uh, Romans chapter 11, 9, 10, and 11. Uh, God has redeemed who is set, f- set, set of mind to redeem. The gospel is being preached. God has used how and what he has wanted to use. And those are powerful sentiments to be considered. Here in this regard, though, God has been long-suffering towards humanity. Oftentimes, you and I, when we have an offense against us, we're not looking to be long-suffering. We're looking to make the other person suffer long. Right. And that's completely different than the thoughts and ways of the Almighty God. He uses a few words here. He talks about goodness. He talks about God's forbearance, literally to hold back, to hold back. Uh, looks again then at verse 4, he talks about his long-suffering. This speaks of his duration. Uh, long periods of time, uh, even in Second Peter chapter 2, talk about that in the last days there should come scoffers. Where's the promise of his coming? You know, they'll, they'll cry. God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. That all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. And uh, yet in verse 5, the response of humanity, he talks about a hardness and impudent heart. Uh, just the resistant to the uh, kindness and compassion of an almighty God that has provided a way of salvation. If you really want to see a great distinction between the thoughts of God and the thoughts of man, you need to look no further than knowing that God would not make the same choice. Man has a free will. Sometimes our thoughts are influenced by our culture and surroundings. You know, you might would think of Lot. Yeah. There in Second um, Peter chapter 2, and verse 7 through 9, he uses twice the word that he was vexed. Well, he did it to himself. Absolutely. And, and it was part being in and among a culture and surrounding that was godless. Peter highlights there that he had vexed, he had vexed uh, him, his soul, his, his righteous soul. And that word vexed, he had constantly harassed himself. Hmm. He had wore himself with great weariness. Because of the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, seeing what he what he allowed to come across his eye gate, yeah. hearing what came through his ear gate, vexed it created a torment and a pain in his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Yeah, I think we'll look at this further, but I mean, he's literally feeding himself. He's feeding himself and... That's going to affect his inner man. Yes, he is allowing the culture and surroundings to submerse him in how he makes decisions in life. Yeah. And God is not given to that kind of capriciousness. Right. 
You know, there's a time in Lot's life, looking back, I think about Abraham. There was a time when Uncle Abraham exerted great influence over Lot. Uh, exerted an influence in so much that Lot would leave and follow Abraham. Yeah. Exerted influence so that Lot was reciprocal in the blessing that he received, though God's promise was to bless Abraham. Right. And yet now, out of the presence of godly Abram, the friend of God, into those friends of this world, he's vexed himself. Yeah. And that is a good picture of whether believer or unbeliever, how that culture and society often play a unique role, causing us to make choices that are directly in opposition to the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. When I see a distinction between the thoughts, you note that God in his thoughts does not make the same choices. Of course, there's a second consideration as we're comparing these two, and that is that God doesn't have the same content that you and I do. Yeah. He doesn't make the same choices, but also his thoughts have greater content than our thought. Well, and there are many wonderful passages on this particular point. Yeah. He's eternal. He's all-knowing. Yeah. Over, over in the Psalms, I think it is, in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, he's going to talk, in fact, I always... Love verse 6, such knowledge is too high for me. Uh, it's too wonderful for me, rather. Uh, it's high. I cannot attain to it. That's what every uh, college student needs to write on that semester <laughs> exam. You know, I cannot attain unto it. But really, David is writing that when he considers the content that is contained in the knowledge of the Almighty God. What is it? That God knows. Yeah, and he compares it to himself, too. Um, he says, Thou knowest my downsings, mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. So even before I know what I'm going to be thinking or I know what I'm going to be responding to or how I'm going to respond, God already knows those Look things. at verse 4. He says, There is not a word in my tongue. But lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. No, a word in my tongue. When I think of words, I think of what I hear, a word in my ear. Or in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Here, before it's ever been formed... For it to be audibly pronounced and be transmitted into the ear of someone else, the Lord always already had an awareness. You, you want to talk about the vast content that he has. Yeah. Um, David will talk about him compassing his way. In verse number one, he'll say, you've searched me and known me. You've beset me, in verse number five, behind and before and lay thine hand upon me. And then he says, whither shall I go from thy presence or whither shall I flee from thy spirit? He can't. He well, says, what I, if I was to take the wings of the morning? Not going to do it. No. Uh, in every aspect, he is omnipotent. He is omniscious. I mean, in, in fact, in all of these matters, God has forgotten more than the sum of humanity will ever truly know. And so much, you, you want to speak of this, you and I, when we think of humanity, we have kind of a point in time where we really begin to remember something. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sitting here in the month of September, and just a few weeks ago, um, we had, uh, I think it was a Sunday, September the 11th. You know, in my mind, September the 11th, 2001, boy, that was, that was, that was yesterday. Yeah. It just, I can tell you where I was, what I was doing. I was in college at the time, what class I was in. I can tell you what I did that week. I can tell you who the speaker was. We had a special week of services. All of this just goes rapidly through my mind. It's kind of seared in there. Yeah. Yet, when I consider with my children, none of whom were born until after 9-11, it's a complete different memory. Yeah. We have an actuation. We have a point in time uh, 
by which all of our experiences flow? Well, because God is timeless and changeless. He sees all. Yeah. No wonder John could refer to him as the Alpha and the Omega. And David sees it on this. He says, Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully, marvelously made. He go on in verse 16. He says, Thine eyes did see my substance. Yeah. Yet being unperfect, in thy book are all my members written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. Yeah. Now you can camp right there for a moment to think God in his concern and care for his created, uh, for his creation and how great he has prepared all of this. Uh, down from the the earth upon which we dwell uh, to the oxygen by which we all consume, uh, down to the seasons and the harvest and the rain. What great God who in eternity past has put all these pieces together. Yeah. And so often you and I, just part of humanity, we're OTJ, you know, on the job training. Yeah. Figuring it out as we go. God does not figure out anything as he goes. He knows it all beforehand. And that's one reason why our minds are broken in comparison with the creator God's mind. His mind has not only a greater choice that would be made, but his has a greater content to be had. Yeah. Not the same content that we have. Yeah. And then also, he has a different capacity. Or we, I guess you'd say we have a different. Well, capacity. sure. Well, yeah. either's true. Either's true. You know, when we we think about, as we said a moment ago, Romans one and two, and being under condemnation and being under sin, etc. Um, usually, uh, there are so many things that we would think in life if something occurs. Uh, we there's only so much we can do. With the knowledge we have. Yeah, our response, yeah. There's just so much I can do about the things that trouble me. For instance, you know, you think about gas in our area, it'd be about $4 a gallon. There's nothing really I can do about that. Yeah. I mean, I can limit my trips that I'm making. I can do this or that, but there's nothing really I can do. Shop the deals, get the ad. Man, that's all I can do. (laughs) Just just a very little about that. Uh, You have a user ID code you want to invite us to? No. (laughs) You said shop the ads. Uh, There's just so much that I can really do about that. But God has a great capacity. There's only so much that I could do about being under the wrath of God. Yeah. But Romans, and uh, particularly in chapter 8, speaking of the believer, there is therefore now no condemnation. condemnation. That's a marvelous consideration to be had, that I was under condemnation and God was justified in all his condemnation. Talk about reaction or response to something i mean you consider the wrong that we have done towards god how we have transgressed his law and to think that his response is i'm going to send him my only begotten son and then to speak to the content of god's mind peter talks about it was foreordained before the foundation of the world that the lamb of god would be sent to pay for the sins of the world yeah i mean a capacity of of forgiveness in that sense but as the believer would speak, there's a capacity of always giving favor, of security. Yeah, uh, That is a consideration well worth mentioning that he doesn't—you ch- and I change, but yeah. he doesn't. Well, I think of 
our verse Malachi 3, 6, and this is the Lord speaking to the, the sons of Jacob, but he says, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And talk about showing favor, uh, he said he wasn't going to consume them. Yeah. He, and the reason was because he doesn't change. Yeah, he was he was patient, long-suffering. We think about the believer in Romans chapter 8. He talks about if God be for us. Who can be against us? But wait a minute. Remember way back in chapter 1 and chapter 2. He said he who was. was against, we were against him. Yeah. We were against him. What a capacity to forgive. You and I are not in the same place as far as capacity. I mean, the reality is when we are wronged, our capacity is to wrong back. Yeah. When we are hurt, our capacity is to hurt back. That's our capacity. Yeah, to hold back, to not show favor, all those things. The mindset is completely different. I mean, even in, even as we look at the broad overlays of our society, uh, even political swings or otherwise, that is not the mindset of the Almighty God. Yeah. Uh, one day his judgment will be poured out. But for right now, we sit in a time in which there is great grace and long-suffering towards humanity. As we mentioned Peter a moment ago, not willing that any should perish. To the believer, he even goes to say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus that loved us. He moves on. He says, I am persuaded, Paul says, this redeemed man, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a manifestation of a capacity to forgive and then beyond just forgiving us, to bestow upon us the grace that we should be called the sons of God. And that's in keeping that we are, verse 17, if children then heirs with God. That is a marvelous capacity that transcends human ability um, and human uh, capacity regarding their inward mind. So you want to see a distinction between the two, the thoughts of man, the thoughts of God. Isaiah said, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not mine. I don't make the same choice uh, that humanity does. I certainly know more in the fact that I have greater content. I certainly have a greater capacity. But I think that there's another thing, a fourth thing, if you will, that really sets apart all of this as we reference. And it goes all the way back to Isaiah 55, right where we initially started. And that is, there's not the same call. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 55, ho, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters. Come ye to the waters. Isaiah 11, or rather Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Come ye, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55 and verse, uh, verse number, uh, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon me. Uh, uh, Jeremiah, I think it's 33 and verse 3. Uh, Over and over again. God shows the great call. He is beckoning humanity. Come now, let us reason together. Come, search the Lord, or rather seek the Lord why he might be found. These are wonderful considerations to think that God's mind is distinct to ours. We mentioned a moment ago in his capacity, but it's also in his call. Uh, Titus is an excellent passage that we might well worth be looking at for a moment particularly chapter 3, if you want to see where your mind and my mind are and where it's broken, you look at Titus chapter 3 and he gives a good indication. Listen to this. For we ourselves also were sometimes. The word sometimes, it means a definitive time in the past. 
It doesn't mean a level of inconsistency right. like we have. It means a time passed. We were foolish. No knowledge. We were disobedient. Unpersuadable is the idea. Unpersuadable. Rebellious. Uh, you could not cajole us or convince us to do right. We were hard-headed. Yeah. We were deceived. Roaming after truth, Isaiah 53 said, we all go astray. Serving divers' lust. Oh, there's a wonderful one there. We just had various longings in life. I mean, I'm not insinuating that uh, some of us didn't have similar longings, but some of them were just drastically different longings in a a wicked sense. He goes on and he said, and we had differing pleasures of life. Uh, The word pleasure, you often think of hedonism, uh, which is so prevalent in Grecian culture, uh, kind of the worship of entertainment and things of that. We had all these pleasures of life. Living in malice, envying, hateful and hating one another. That's where you and I are. That is talk not about, talk about brokenness. Yes. That's not the individual that I want to say, come now, let us reason together. Yeah. Seek ye the Lord. Turn from uh, how did Isaiah fifty five said the ungodly his way and, and such. Yeah. That's not the language that you hear there. Yeah. Why would you want this individual? He's got a different mind. But he's got a different mind. Because I would say I don't want to be his friend. You know, yeah. If I were a if, holy God. This individual that's being referenced in verse correct, 3. Correct, correct. You didn't want to be a friend of yourself. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at. But then you listen to verse 4. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior towards your man appeared. Not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration... And the renewing of his of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly, abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, our mind often is a place that calls for vengeance. It's a place that calls for anger. It's a place often in our mind, and I'm speaking naturally, when we are wrong, when we are injured, when we are hurt. Uh, that's what it calls for. In Romans 12, he speaks of some of these particularly talks about as much as it be possible, as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, Avenge not yourselves. That's the natural concept of our mind, anger. When things come our way that are not our desire, anger. When things come our way or may not, uh, when things are coming around towards us that are not lending or leading in the way we'd want, anxiety, worry, fret, when we are hurt deeply and perhaps by someone that supposedly loved us, bitterness, malice, anger, wrath, evil speaking, that is the natural indication of the natural man's mind. And so the natural man being every man that was born to Adam's race, what's wrong with my mind? It's broken. And everyone else's is as well. Yeah. But the good news is we'll see perhaps next week, your mind does not have to stay broken. Yeah. And with that, let me give you our our verse here as we close. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And with that, we want to close out today's episode as we've learned, and it's a sobering thought, 
that our minds are broken. And so as we consider that, we also look forward to this upcoming week, the next week, and seeing what what is there that we can do about it. And so with that in mind, we want to just thank you for listening, and we hope to catch you in the next episode. Goodbye for now.